Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. You know who's not in the zone? The NBA playoffs. This is, uh, at this point, a total disaster. I would like to uh, humbly apologize to everyone for arguing yesterday as well as yesterday afternoon on Twitter that I anticipated the Celtics being able to give the Cavs a game in game one. I thought having played aggressively as many games as the Celtics have, the fact that they are coming off of a seven-game win uh, win in that series, the fact that they had played so many games that matter in the NBA playoffs, they went 4-2 to two over the Bulls, then they win 4-3 to three over the Wizards. I thought, I really did, that we were in exactly the perfect position for the Celtics to come out and steal game one because the Cavs had been on the sideline, totally resting. Cavs were 8-0. They were rolling into a tough situation in Boston Garden. I really thought this game would be close. I didn't necessarily think the Celtics would win, but I thought of all the games in the series, this was their best chance to win. I thought they would cover. I thought this game would be close, and I was completely wrong. From about eight minutes into this game on, it was not a contest. There was zero interest in watching this. This now makes, amazingly, This now makes the Cavs and the Celtics, sorry, the Cavs and the Warriors 19-0 so far. Why would you watch the NBA playoffs? Even the NHL game was a blowout last night. The Senators getting and taking down the Penguins with no contest either. But now the NBA, the Cavs and the Warriors are 19-0. I think there's a very good shot that both these teams are going to be 12-0 when they enter into the NBA Finals, and amazingly, if my counting is correct, if both these games only go four, again, if only four games take place in the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals, we're talking about a nine-day gap between when the Eastern and the Western Conference Finals end after double 4-0 situations there, sweeps. You have to wait nine days 
for the Warriors and the Cavs to start their series. Might be eight days, but I believe it's nine days. That's unbelievable. That we could have a situation where both teams are 12-0. and And even, by the way, if, one, if the Celtics win a game or if the Spurs win a game, does it really matter? Is there any actual belief that either the Celtics or the Spurs can win these series? Of course not. So what's the point? I've said this before, but I think it definitely bears analysis and rigorous examination if I'm Adam Silver in the offseason. There are six sports yearly that Americans care about. Now, there's more sports that Americans care about. Look, we care about soccer during the World Cup. Next summer, everybody's going to care about the World Cup. We care about the Olympics and all the Olympic-related devices every two years during the summer and winter Olympics. But the six sports that Americans care about, the NFL, college football, the NBA, college basketball, Major League Baseball, and I'm being lenient here, hockey. Of those six sports, five of them enter the postseason with the belief that any team that has advanced to that postseason can win. What's more, all of those sports over the course of the season, you have a hope that your team might win a championship. Now it dies, but they at least give you that shot. Great example is going on right now in the NHL. Nashville Predators are hosting the Anaheim Ducks tonight. And if the Predators win that game, they'll be up 3-1. They were the eight seed, guys. The literal worst seed of the Western Conference in the NHL. Nobody in Nashville expected that the team would make a Stanley Cup run. It's possible right now that they're the overall favorite to win, and I think they would be right now, from odds makers, that they would be the overall favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup. Now, they may not do it, but they've come out of the worst seed in the NHL to make a run towards potentially winning the Stanley Cup. A few years ago, the LA Kings did it. Nobody in the eighth seed of the NBA playoffs remotely sniffed moving on to the second round. Hell, they didn't even win a single game. The eighth seed in this playoffs got shut out 4-0 in both the East and the West. The NFL, we've seen so many different teams come out of the wild card and find a way to win a championship. Major League Baseball, wild card teams have won the World Series. The college football playoff, Ohio State was the four seed starting Cardell Jones, the third, the th- backup third string quarterback. Ohio State very lucky to make the playoff. They came out of nowhere after an early season loss to Virginia Tech and they win the championship. All of these other sports, we know obviously in college basketball, the NCAA tournament, so many upsets, so many teams that you didn't anticipate being in the mix. George Mason makes a run to the Final Four. Just think about how often we've seen a team that nobody anticipated winning a title, win a title in the NCAA tournament. All five of the six major sports other than the NBA Anything can happen. All bets are off once the postseason begins. I honestly don't know how, if you're an NBA fan, you sit around and watch the regular season right now. Because you're hoping that your team is going to find a way to luck into winning a series. If you're a Jazz fan, yeah, you won a series, and then you got totally run by the Warriors, and you saw that the gap between your team winning a championship and the Warriors is really, really substantial. 
why is this Warrior team suddenly going to get worse? This is something that I think the NBA is going to have to deal with effectively until LeBron starts to decline. LeBron ain't declining right now. But if LeBron did decline, who's going to even step remotely close to the Warriors? And this is part of a larger issue I think the NBA is having to deal with, which is the regular season doesn't matter. The Cavs told us that when they decided, you know what, we don't even care about winning the number one overall seed. It's one thing to rest players. It's another thing to say, basically, we don't even care about home court. You know how long it took the Cavs to erase an 82-game home court advantage? About 12 minutes. By the end of the first quarter, you looked at this game and you said, man, I don't see any way the Celtics are going to win this game. 12 minutes in, the Cavs had reduced an 82-game season to nothing. And I ask this question, I mean legitimately. If I am LeBron James or I'm advising LeBron James, why would LeBron not sit out every game until Christmas? That's the next step that I think a superstar like LeBron could take in the NBA. He has not lost a game in the postseason since, what was it, game four of the NBA Western Conference Finals? Ty Lue and LeBron James, and LeBron James, make no mistake about it, is a player coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Ty Lue and LeBron James have now won 12 straight playoff games, if you go back to last year. Three straight in the NBA Finals to win that that series in seven against the Warriors. Nine straight this year. Probably going to win three more. Maybe they lose one to the Celtics, whatever. I think you can clearly tell it doesn't matter because the Celtics have no chance to win the seven-game series. Probably going to run in at 12-0. and 0. Why would LeBron, now that they've established this year, that the regular season 100% doesn't matter? Remember, the Cavs finished with the same record as the Raptors. They went out and dominated them in four games. The Cavs finished with a worse record than the Boston Celtics. They're probably going to dominate them in four games. If LeBron James wants to stay off his feet, doesn't want to play more regular season games, decides that it's better off for his long-term future as he advances on 32, 33, 34, not to play in game NBA games in October, November, and not to come back until what really is, for a lot of people, the tip-off to the NBA season, that Christmas Day spectacular. If he decides not to come back to Christmas Day, would the Cavs still have any issue winning the NBA's Eastern Conference? I don't think they would. They go 500, let's say, without LeBron James. He comes back for the final 50 games of the year. They go 40 and 10 or 38 and 14, whatever they go with LeBron James for the remainder of that season. And then they go to the NBA Finals. I think the NBA has got such serious issues right now. Basketball in the long range is great. It's going to be the number two sport in the world behind soccer. It's a great game to play for people all over the world. It isn't very expensive. Easy to put up basketball goals. The NBA has become a global brand. All of those things matter. But what ultimately matters that the NFL got right decades and decades ago was you're only as strong as your weakest link. The NBA understood that on any given Sunday, you had to have the ability or the belief that your team could win. That's ultimately what makes a good sport. Believing that your team can win for as long as possible is what keeps you engaged in a season. How many people in the NBA right now really believe that a team other than the Cavs or the Warriors can win a title? If you're one of the 28 other teams, why does your season matter? 
there's no hope whatsoever that you are going to be competitive. And I think the NBA has a serious issue as long as this super team works with the Warriors and as long as LeBron is in the East. The idea that I floated to fix this, and I mean, honestly, if I were Adam Silver, I'd be looking at everything, was the idea of having like MLS. MLS is a fascinating setup for soccer. Not yet one of the major American sports in terms of people caring about it a ton. I know people care about it in different markets. For instance, Seattle is all in on the MLS. And there's now expansion going on. I think over the next decade, the MLS is going to grow. But what's fascinating about the way the MLS is set up is I believe they have three teams that are outside of the salary cap. So you can go sign superstars if you can afford to sign them because it's better for the league to have as many superstars on as many different teams as possible. But I think you're limited to three superstars. But that allows you to go overseas and grab a David Beckham at the tail end of his career. Uh, to go overseas and grab whoever you could, right? Uh, so that the Seattle team, I believe, could go sign Clint Dempsey and bring him in here to play. All of that matters. And it is totally absurd to me that right now you have all these guys making the decision. Kevin Durant can make any decision that he wants, but when he decided to go to the Golden State Warriors, effectively that ended the Western Conference race. So what would happen if you gave an unlimited salary cap exemption to all 30 NBA teams to pay whatever they wanted for market value for the top players? LeBron James is worth $100 million a year or whatever it is, and then Kevin Durant would be worth 85 or $90 million. You wouldn't have super teams. You'd have talent distributed throughout the league. Is this awful for the league or am I being unfair? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We're talking about the Lonzo Ball, sorry, LeVar Ball. That's a problem for Lonzo. A lot of times I say Lonzo and I mean LeVar. He's getting tarred and feathered by his father. If you haven't heard this audio, yesterday on The Herd, LeVar Ball, father of Lonzo Ball, was on to discuss his son likely going to the Lakers with the number two overall pick, and things got heated when Christine Leahy asked how many pairs of shoes they had sold. Like I said, there's different amounts. How many? Stay in your lane. Anyways, I'm just curious. I don't even worry about her over there. Like, Every time not? she scares me to kind death. Of disrespectful. She says she scares Lonzo. Lonzo's scared of me. She scares me. That's I'm why I don't look that way. I said that I wouldn't wear something that uh, It says a woman. big baller. It's the same thing. Yeah. With I, all due respect, I, you're a great reporter, just not reporting on me. Uh, well, I, I think in order to have a successful company, you're going to have to have women who like your brand. Uh, you know, yeah, if you have a women's company. But anyways. Oh, so you're not about, marketing We're women. talking about big baller brand. Now that Lonzo's headed to Los Angeles, what they should have did is gave me a billion dollars and let me be on my way. That, that's unrealistic. They're not yeah, unrealistic to you. No, it's Now, it's, you know what? If they want to come talk to me now, it just went up to $3 billion. Triple Bs. They wouldn't want to work with you anyway because you don't respect women. So I never disrespect women. But I tell you what, you if, you act, if you act like that, guess what? Something's coming to you. Oh. And it's okay. Do you, do you think... Are you, wait, are you threatening me? Oh, see how she tried to turn the words? I would never threaten you. You said something's coming to me. I don't know what it is. I'm not a psychic. Miranda in Knoxville, I tossed it out and said, I'd be curious what women would think. Do you think that he was being demeaning? Was this sexist of LeVar Ball? I don't know the answer. 877-996-6369. The poll question seemed to suggest yes. Six thousands of you voting so far. 63% of you say that you thought it was sexist. Miranda, was it sexist? You know, I'm not totally sold on the sexist idea. I kind of 
agree with Danny G when I just don't think uh, LeVar Ball likes Christine Leahy, which is which is fine. We don't like everyone. That being said, was it disrespectful? Yes. Was it demeaning? Yes. Was it inappropriate? Yes. However, um, I think it's probably on a grander scale. Like, let's think about PR, okay? Obviously, um, his son's going to be successful in the NBA. Whether he ends up with the Lakers or a different different NBA franchise, he's going to be successful. That being said, were, were these just, like, simple, like, I'm being funny um, comments, or was this kind of like a bigger picture into, you know, if he goes to an organization that has a very strong female presence, are we going to be stepping on the toes of women? Are we going to be stepping on the toes? Should we start off maybe on a bad foot, like with PR? I mean, what's 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 Lavar Ball doing? He's trying to get paid, and he's making money off of his kid. Like, should we start out with being disrespectful? You know, whether it's you know, obviously she's not the main host of of Colin Cowherd's show, but should we start off like with that kind of demeanor where I'm going to say what I want and do what I want and be disrespectful to whom I want to? Is that somebody that I want? representing my organization and having my child, you know, be on this organization. Would you, if you were J.D. Buss, a multimillionaire, billionaire owner of the Lakers, you're going to watch this interview or you're going to listen to it. Would it give you pause at all? Um, yes, I, I think so, because like I said, I'm, I'm not totally sold on the sexism. I do think the problem is, is that he does make multiple comments about you know, big baller brand isn't for women and she needs to stay in her lane. Like, is that somebody that you want coming? Obviously he's going to be a huge part of his son's NBA career. He's going to be courtside for every game. He's going to be talking to the media after every game. Yeah, and if we think the shoes are a big deal now, like, wait till he gets on the Lakers. Wait till he gets on whoever. I mean, you're getting – it's a two-part thing. It's kind of like dad – it's like a son and dad duo, right? So is this someone – and I believe a caller before me had mentioned the fact that where is the son's presence? Like, is he cool with this? Like, are you fine? Is this kind of – you're letting your dad carry you? Like, are you okay with him being disrespectful to a man or a woman? You know, I don't honestly – do I think, you know, he would say those comments to man no i do believe he's been in other interviews where people have said things he hasn't disagreed with but you know you just don't speak to a woman like that you just don't disrespect anybody but as you know a female i'm i'm in charge of the lakers i'm making all these big decisions is this someone i want speaking for me you know on my behalf is this who i want to represent my team are we already going to step on people's toes and be offensive and have to discuss men versus women and you know obviously he's going to have to make some statement about this so then the choice is does he stand by what he says or do we do the whole apology i would never be disrespectful to a woman she took it out of context like which direction does he go with this and keep in mind we're talking about a man who has done nothing to be famous but try to sell some shoes and at the end of the day we all want to know how many shoes have been bought like inquiring minds want to know like how many of the big baller brand shoes have been sold i would like to know (laughs) yeah no doubt appreciate the call let's go to john in new york city hello yeah you're with us okay listen she played the woman's card from the bottom of the deck come on it was disgusting she personally attacked him the night before on Speak Yourself. She said, I think his kids are scared of him. They're scared to speak up. I don't even think they had a choice on whether they could play basketball or not. I think they were made to play basketball. So she personally attacked his parenting. She personally attacked his family. No but isn't that fair game? Isn't that fair game when you're only famous? That is for- fair. That, that, 
absolutely in the in the in the in the respect play that he put himself out there in the manner that he's gone about the marketing campaign because his son is a little shy or doesn't want to get out there and the hype that he's brought hey you bring that on yourself it's going to come with the good publicity comes the bad but where it goes wrong is he went in there, you could tell, he went in there with that chip on his shoulder that he was going to confront her, whether she was a man or a woman. And to, and what happened was it got lost in translation when he said, stay in your lane. And he said, uh, he, said he, he did reference the fact, you said Alonzo's scared. And as soon as she got confronted, she took it to, you're attacking me because I'm a woman. Are you threatening me? And he used slang terms uh, um, when he said, um, I forgot the, the exact quote, but it's almost like saying you're getting clapped back or different ter- terminology. But she, 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 the, the whole triggering thing she said, are you threatening me? No. What he was saying is if you say something, expect to be confronted. And you know what? We always talk about equality and women can stand on their own two feet. But when a man and a woman have an interaction like that, it's always said that, the, oh, look at the way that man talked to him. No, that was a confrontation. And we want equality for women. That had nothing to do about sexism or threatening, but that's where she took it. She was uncomfortable with confrontation. Some people do not do well in the confrontation. You know yourself. You went to law school. How many lawyers that work in law firms can't go into a courtroom because that's not their, their, where they can shine? They can, maybe, in a, maybe behind the scenes they break, break briefs and everything, but when they get in the courtroom, maybe they freeze up. Okay, that is when you get confronted, especially on live TV and the manner it was going to to take that. It it was it was it was an escape goat. I just found it disgusting because if we go down that road, we're never anybody can say you're being racist. You're being sexist. So you think I'd be in a pussy willow for thinking this was sexist? Oh, my God, there's nothing sexist about it. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. We go to the state of Florida, a fecund wonderland of many different animal delights. Authorities say a Florida man leaned in to kiss a rattlesnake, but got bitten instead. This is from Bostwick, Florida. The unidentified man was bitten on the tongue Tuesday in the Bostwick area. No idea where Bostwick is. I go to Florida tomorrow for two weeks. Hopefully I'll survive. And he had to be airlifted to a hospital where he was listed in critical condition. I hope he's not died since then. Do we know if he's still alive? I don't know. We'll have to do research. WTLV in Jacksonville quoted a friend of the victim as saying he'd been drinking while handling the seemingly calm eastern diamondback rattlesnake. But when he moved toward the reptile as if to kiss it, the snake bit him. 
It wasn't immediately clear where the snake came from. It is illegal to keep a rattlesnake in Florida without a license. They have rattlesnake licenses in Florida? A rattlesnake license? Oh, my God. That is Animal Thunderdome News. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. John Morosi in with us now as he is every single Thursday, and you're actually in the same city as us for a change. John, you're down here covering the Western Conference uh, NHL playoffs. Preds hosting the Anaheim Ducks Game 4. What was your experience like in Game 3, and what do you think of this playoff series so far? Incredible, Clay. And, and certainly I had heard from so many fans and, and so many people that work in the game that the, the atmosphere at Bridgestone Arena right now is, is the best in the NHL. And I would have to, from my experience, agree from a standpoint of the, the, the noise of the building, the chants. Uh, I love the live music that, that you have there in between periods at Bridgestone Arena. So um, everything about it lived up to the hype. And I really think as well, you look at the way Game 3 unfolded, and the Predators crowd, I believe, played a pivotal role in the way that the, the game unfolded. I think that in the third period, um, you, you thought maybe there were, uh, there were there was a decent chance that Anaheim could hold them off. Of course, Anaheim enters that period with a lead after uh, scoring the power play goal following the fight in the second period, which was a story unto itself. But the way that you saw the third period unfold, you saw just and heard, actually, just how much of an influence the Predators crowd has right now. It was remarkable the way that even as two goals were disallowed, and, and yes, there was kind of a, a uh, an unfortunate moment where there was some debris thrown on the ice, but, but for the most part, I think that was a, a, an extremely positive way of having a hockey crowd not get discouraged and actually propelled the team to a victory, and Mike Fisher, the Preds captain, uh, pointed out, he said to me afterward, that I don't think that crowd sat down once during the third period. So it was remarkable to hear uh, someone that's played in the Cup Final before 10 years ago and been in this league for a very long time uh, to, really, to really acknowledge just how powerful the, the impact of the crowd was on the result of that game. How even is this series? Clay, to me, it has been uh, extremely even. I, I think the Preds have been... Uh, the slightly better team. Uh, I, I think that uh, if, if you were to ask, and clearly it's, it's a 2-1 series lead for Nashville, but it's been very even. And, and I think as we have seen, uh, Anaheim was the better team probably in the, in the first period of Game 3. They were the better team in the latter two periods, I believe, of Game 2. Um, and, and when Anaheim has been able to establish their forecheck, um, they have been able to, I think, carry the play. But uh, but Nashville, I think, by and large, in, in the greater number of periods, uh, they've had the shot advantage uh, over the entire series at this point in time. But it's been a very competitive series, and I think Anaheim's experience, Clay, at different times has shown up. And, and their defensive core is very young and very mobile as well, as of course, as we know Nashville's is. So I think it's been a very, very uh, tightly contested series. John Gibson's been good, but not quite as good as Pecorine. And Pecorine answered a lot of questions today coming off of giving up those four goals uh, on Sunday in Game 2. Uh, phenomenal effort by Pecorine there in Game 3. We bring you on because you can talk about multiple sports. You're here for the NHL, but you're also covering Major League Baseball. Derek Jeter retired. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about uh, this. It seems like his retirement ceremony has been going on forever. 
What did you think about his final appearance there, maybe in Yankee Stadium, kind of wearing that number two aura around him? From now on, he's going to firmly be, if he wasn't already, a uh, belong to the history of, of baseball fans and, and certainly the illustrious history of the Yankees. What is his long-term legacy going to be, and what did you think of what I guess can be classified as somewhat of a final goodbye for him? Well, well Clay, to me, uh, first of all, uh, I, I thought it was very interesting and very poignant uh, that, that MLB.com uh, put together that, that bracket of, uh, of greatest Jeter moments and had fans actually be able to vote on it. And, and the thought that I had following that, Clay, was for, for how many other players in baseball could you even conceive of something similar right now? And I don't think there is anyone that's even close in terms of being able to have a, fill out an actual bracket of 16 different moments. Uh, when you think about it, you know, you and I have spoken a lot about Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, what their careers can become. Can you can you name five? Uh, indelible Bryce Harper moments or Trout moments to start filling out a bracket. I realize they're very young, but the point is with Jeter, many of those moments happened in the first five or six years of his career when the when the Yankees were in their late 90s heyday and he was winning a World Series, it seemed like every single year, which of course was true for three consecutive years. And then, of course, they added the fourth and five years. So to me, Clay, it just was a tribute to a career the likes of which we are not seeing right now and may never see again because so many things had to go exactly right for him. He had to show up at the right time for the right team, be drafted by the right team when, when of course, the Astros famously passed on him when they should have taken him. Um, all these different moments, much like Jordan in that respect, where he just, he just went to the right team even though they didn't pick first. Um, so many things happened just exactly right. And I think it was, it was a reminder to me that we are, we are not going to see, I believe, uh, someone of that, of, of that type of nature in a very, very long time come back. And, and I think, too, Clay, it was a useful, to, to your point, closing of, of that chapter because who knows, in a year's time, you might be the owner of the Marlins. He might be involved in, in, in the business of baseball in some other way. So I think it was important that this moment happened before that aspect of his career gets going. And I think it was just one more uh, perfect tribute in a, in a career that you think about his last swing at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it, it just could not have been more storybook for Derek Jeter. Houston Astros have the best record in baseball right now at you know, roughly uh, 16, 17 games over 500. Right. Is that going to be able to be sustained? Do you think that they're for real? Uh, their winning percentage, I think, eventually will come down a little bit uh, because it's just so hard. You know, in, in baseball, very rare. If you if you look at the standings at any given time, and it's even true right now, it, it's, it's sort of an interesting little baseball experiment. Go there and, and count the number of teams whose winning percentage is higher than 600 or lower than 400. It almost never happens. I mean, there's maybe a handful of teams that are either great or really awful at any particular time, but it's you can count them on one hand. It's the old, it's the old canard, right? Baseball, exactly. they always said you're going to win 60 and lose 60 exactly. is what you do with the other 40 Completely that matters. Completely true. So baseball is almost always played within that range of 400 to 600. It's just the way the game is played. Um, that being said, so do I think Houston's winning percentage will come down a little bit? Yes, I do. But do I think that right now they're the best team in the game, not just in record, but in the way that we watch them play on the field? I believe that as well. I think that their lineup is so deep. You look at the moves they made this past offseason. Uh, this is a team that's still the, the, the guts of it. 
made the playoffs in 2015, and but for one bullpen meltdown uh, in in the uh, in the eighth inning of Game Four of the Division Series against Kansas City, that team is going to eliminate the the eventual champion Royals in four games. Uh, that's how good that team was in 2015. They 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 wobbled a little bit early in 2016, but for the last four months of that season, they were really good. So really. Uh, but for a rough start in, in, in 2016, they've been one of the best teams in the game since the start of the 2015 season. And so we're just seeing a, a continuation of that, plus, Clay, the additions of Beltron, McCann, and then Josh Reddick. So they, they have added veteran bats to what was already a really good lineup. Bregman has continued to evolve and, and develop. Correa, we know, one of the best players in the game. Springer, I love George Springer, everything he does. So their lineup, their position player group, I believe, is the best in the game. Now, pitching, we can ask a question of do they need one more starting pitcher? Maybe, but the good thing about it for them is that there is going to be a very good supply based on the number of teams that we've got that are, are likely sellers. Uh, you should see some starting pitchers moving at the deadline this year. So they are in a really good position. I, I think it's always a great story when you have a team that's never won the World Series uh, that has a chance to do so, much like the Preds in, uh, in, in the NHL playoffs right now. So I, I think that there are, it's a great story for the game. And again, I, I believe in the game of baseball, they are the oldest franchise to never win it, going back to their days as the Houston Colt 45s. We're talking to John Morosi. Final question for you. We're roughly 40 games thereabouts into the Major League Baseball season, a quarter of the way basically through the right. season so far. What would you say are the one or two biggest storylines? A lot of people, frankly, are not all in on baseball, right? I mean, they've been busy sure. watching the NBA. They've been busy watching the NHL as, as those seasons kind of come to a close. What do you stand out the most about a quarter of the way through the baseball season? What are the couple of biggest stories to you? I would say this, Clay. First of all, we're seeing, I believe, a revival of the American League East as as what it used to be. I think we're seeing the Red Sox and Yankees, and I think there's a uh, there, there's always that great uh, talking about uh, bromides of baseball. Uh, the, you you can never go wrong pointing out how. Uh, how good they have been, and I, and I think that that division specifically, Clay, the American League East, I think is getting back to what it was ten years ago. Because the Yankees are back with Aaron Judge and that group, and we see the Red Sox with with Mookie Betts, who is still not that old of a player to begin with. He's not he's not a rookie like Aaron Judge, but he's a very very young player. So I, I think we're we're seeing the the reestablishment of that rivalry and the reestablishment of of those two teams. Um, the Yankees more so than the Red Sox as being World Series contenders. So I think what we've seen from Aaron Judge is a phenomenal story. I also love the fact that on the West Coast you've got the other flagship team and the Dodgers with Cody Bellinger who is off to a phenomenal start in his career as well. So I would say it's the reestablishment there of, of the East being what it used to be. And then I think you look around the game and you'd have to say this, the Cubs off to a bit of a slow start. That's a big storyline. Uh, we thought this team and they were widely predicted by many experts uh, entering the season. Oh, my gosh, how could anybody but the Cubs win the World Series? Look how strong they are. Well, I think their pitching has regressed a bit. And uh, Theo Epstein is, pre- is preaching calm right now, as he should. But uh, but this team, Clay, is not at all the team that it was last year from a record standpoint. Uh, they still have a lot of the same players, 
but there's just not quite that same vigor about them. I think they're just there's a, there's a step back where they're not quite as lively. Uh, I think part of that's they've played a lot of baseball in the last two years. Their pitchers have expended a lot of pitches the last two years. So uh, I think that the Cubs are, are not looking like their 2016 selves, which I think leaves the National League in a very wide-open state. Outstanding stuff as always. John Morosi, enjoy the game tonight between the good old Anaheim Ducks and the Nashville Predators. I'll be there. Can't wait to watch myself. Clay, cannot wait. And again, uh, your, your hometown, your city has, has been phenomenal. Great people. Uh, and, and it just, I love the passion, by the way, of the fans in this town for hockey. When we got in, when we walked into the restaurant, there was one TV on. It was on the other series, Pittsburgh, Ottawa. So they, it is total hockey immersion, as you know, in your town. Nashville is uh, showing itself phenomenally well to the hockey world. Appreciate that, my man. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Last three games, 0 for 10 at the plate, struck out five times, averaged down to 227, but that's bearing the lead. From the New York Post, quote, they were warming up and throwing in front of us and I wasn't paying attention, said Doug Brussman, who brought his 13-year-old daughter to see her idol play. The dream location turned into a painful encounter when the former NFL QB overthrew a ball to a teammate, zoomed right underneath the railing, and found its landing pad on Brussman's nether regions. A guy screams, watch out, and as he's yelling, the ball comes right through the railing and hits me right in the nuts. It was a direct hit, unquote. This was Tuesday before the game. Tebow, no hits in his last three, but he did crush somebody in the LeVar balls. And that's your Tebow watch for this Thursday, May 18, 2017. Oh, 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 you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.